The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And again, thank you guys so much for being our listeners on the AI Today podcast. You guys have made us one of the top three podcasts in the AI category. We actually saw a listing somewhere recently. As you know, pod, podcast ratings and podcast rankings change all the time because new podcasts and po- podcast listeners come up all the time. One of these podcast listings showed us in the number two position in the technology topic behind Lex Friedman. So you guys might know Lex Friedman, he's kind of the Joe Rogan of uh, technology. (laughs) Actually, he'll talk about anything. So that's very impressive. And I think on that note, I really want to thank you, our listeners, because we'd be talking to ourselves if we didn't have you guys. So thank you for your positive comments. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating us. For all the view that you have on iTunes and all these other places. And to reward you, we want to give you the content that you want, right? And we've heard from many of you, and many of you are leading teams that are making not only AI projects happen, certainly that's why we exist, our AI Today podcast, but we've heard many of you are running automation projects, you're running big data projects of, uh, with deep analysis, you're running all sorts of of things that support AI in a variety of ways. You, many of you are running data engineering teams, but you're running teams. And that, that, that we've heard from you. And I think that's one of the things you might see us starting to focus more on is, not more on, that's kind of a weird way to say, more on <laughs> We're not calling any of you guys morons. We love you guys. No, uh, focusing more on the, the, the folks who focus on running these teams and the things that you are concerned about. Yes. So focusing more on the kinds of things that you worry about in teams. Some of you are team leaders focusing on AI projects. Some of you are focusing on automation projects, perhaps big data, big data analytics, or all the things that support AI, because we know that AI is part of an ecosystem. That's one of the things we we will definitely spend some time talking about on this podcast. And we're going to reward you, our listeners, our very faithful listeners, with more of what you want. So we'll definitely be focusing on it. So, so Kathleen, on that topic, you know, we're going to revisit kind of where we came from, where we started, where we bro- started AI Today podcast in the first place. Exactly. So now we've been running this podcast, like Ron said, for many years, five years going strong. And the first podcast that we ever did, we asked the question, does AI matter? And we revisited this at our one year podcast anniversary, but we thought it was important, you know, now over five years later, and we've had many podcasts, we've interviewed many luminaries in the space. In addition to our podcast, Ron and I also run a number of communities, including the AI and government community and the enterprise data and AI community as well. So we've talked to leaders in both the public and private sector. And we thought it was important to revisit this question, does AI still matter in 2022? Like I said, we've come a long way from our first podcast over five years ago now, and we've come a long way from that one-year anniversary podcast and thought it was important, especially to frame it in that mindset of where are teams coming from and does AI really still matter in 2022? 
Yeah. So in our first ever podcast, just about five years later, I think we might be actually overly optimistic. On that. We haven't quite yet hit our fifth anniversary, but we will. This is our fifth season. So there you go. So uh, we, we've already uh, crossed uh, our four year anniversary heading into our fifth year anniversary, which will be in September. So coming up on that soon. But one of the, one of the things we talked about in that very first podcast was we, 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 as we were talking about the reasons why AI matters. And the reason why we were, we were saying why AI matters is because look at all the attention that the industry was putting on AI, all the companies raising money, all the articles, you know, in every major publication, all the research, governments putting their emphasis behind it. So clearly, even if you just look at it from the perspective of where the money is going, where the interest is going. Yeah, I mean, AI really, really, really mattered in 2017, which is where I started. Now here we are in 2022, and we're still seeing investment in AI. We're still seeing interest in AI. Governments are still interested. People are still interested. The research is still happening. The academic community is still, still happening. But it's still worthwhile to ask this question. And the reason being is, I guess, one way to think about it is that, you know, you can go through life with a couple of lenses, right? You could be an optimist. Nothing wrong with being an optimist. You can always look for the, the possibility of the future. What could possibly happen? You know, think about, like, you know, sci- people who are science fiction writers, unless they're writing about dystopias, are generally optimistic people thinking about what could happen. Flying cars, which is always the thing people talk about, or whatever the future is, right? And that that's kind of where I think almost everybody was when we started, you know, this podcast and we started a bunch of things. It's like the, the great possibility of where AI is going in the future. So when we started this podcast five years ago, I think we were like many people. We were very optimistic. You know, we really you know, thought about the future of AI and all the possibility it could be. And for many good reasons, we were just like many other folks looking at all the stuff coming out of research and the technology vendors, right? Um, now, of course, you can have the other lens, uh, and we've actually have seen podcasts like that that are pessimistic. You know that that look at all the the things that that are not going to happen. You know, when you when you look at optimistic, you're like, "Ooh, what could potentially happen?" In a good way. When you're pessimistic, you'd be like, "That'll never happen. Never will be autonomous vehicles. Never will be." You know, uh, you know, we think about like all the ethics problems, and oh my god, the super intelligence and all this sort of stuff. Right, things going wrong. Right, and just focusing on the bad stuff. Right. Well, that certainly wasn't us. You know, we 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 highlighted. <laughs> Of those possibilities. So, you know, I think like many folks who've been tracking our podcasts for a while know that we're realists. And what a realist is, is we talk really about sort of what is actually happening. You know, we're saying, okay, well, here's what people say, the promises, and here's some of the potential issues, but here's what's actually happening. And that is really the perspective that we are going to have on this podcast. Here we are five years later, right? We talked about why AI uh, matters. And we're going to talk about why it still matters, but we're going to have this realistic lens. So I think you're going to hear a, a little bit of both sides of the issue on this one. Exactly. And we wanted to make sure that we said that up front so that you don't listen to this and go, what are Kathleen and Ron saying? Why are they being like this? Um, and because we always want to be real, we keep it real with you, our listeners. We keep it real with everyone that we work with. And so it's important to frame that at the beginning of this discussion, that this really is about having that real, honest conversation about does AI still matter in 2022? Because that's what the topic of today's podcast is. So now we had said that, you know, we did this as our first ever podcast, and then we brought up this topic again for our one-year anniversary. So we wanted to talk about some of those points that we originally had brought up and say, are they still relevant? Does 
does AI still matter from that perspective that we had five years ago? And how have things changed and evolved in that time frame? So the first area that we had talked about was AI improves the ability for businesses to serve their customers in reliable and efficient ways. And when we went back and, and kind of looked at this, we said, you know, well, yeah, it does. I mean, but that is very generic and a very general statement. Uh, and that all that is some of the problem that we're running into today. We have looked at hundreds, if not thousands of use cases. We had a very popular podcast series on AI failures. We talked about some of the main reasons why AI projects fail. And it's no surprise, there's a lot of projects out there that fail for a variety of different reasons. But you know, being too general, that's never a good thing. I mean, yes, you're always going to, you know, hit your goals when you're, when you're very general about things, but it doesn't, it doesn't really get to any, you know, fundamental problem that you're trying to solve. So yeah, I know Ron has a point <laughs> on this as well. Right. Kathleen's entirely right. And I think we've all seen this, you know, for, for those of you, again, in our audience or the folks who are running these projects, running these teams, you know, that, you know, on the one hand, you see all the possibility for AI because if you didn't, you wouldn't be investing any of your time or money into it. You wouldn't be building data science teams. You wouldn't be doing all that sort of stuff. So clearly, you believe it uh, in some way that there's some that there's some benefit. We do too. You, all the seven patterns of AI that we always talk about, whether you're talking about conversational systems or recognition systems, predictive analytics, pattern pattern and anomaly detection, autonomous systems, hyperpersonalization, goal driven systems. There are real things that are really happening at space. The problem is, is that AI has become, for a lot of vendors in particular, a bit of a marketing buzzword where if they can do a little bit of it, like you got some product that can scan documents. It's a good old scanner, right? But it has a little bit of NLP, you know, a little natural language processing, a little OCR. You're like, we have an AI-enabled scanner. We're like, wow, let's charge twice as much, 10 times as much. This is where we get into problems, right? And and I think I think it's very seductive. I think you know this 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 idea of AI makes things look futuristic. The words AI, the word robot. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> the word hyper, you know, the word uh, you know these words kind of make you think. It's like, well, I had uh, an office document, but now it's a hyper office document. What the hell is that? You know, you you start creating this thing. And, and honestly, um, people are not immune to this. No, it's not just the vendors, right? Consulting firms, they do this all the time. They're like, well, I sold business integration software, but now I'm going to sell AI-enabled business integration software or solutions. Uh, investors, oh my goodness. You know, I don't know why people assume that investors are somehow a smarter community than everyone else. Actually, it turns out that these investors, they've never built stuff in their life. Right, many of them. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the many, vast majority of them. Yeah. We understand they come from all from all you know backgrounds, but that's part of the issue thing too, right? They come from all different backgrounds. Not all of them are entrepreneurs. Not all of them are technologists by trade. Not all of them are in the trenches doing this, really understanding the pain points that the problems and the so you know the things they're investing in are actually solving. Not many of them have experienced them firsthand. Well, if you haven't experienced it firsthand, that doesn't make you a smarter lot than the rest of us just because you have the word VC in your title. 
And, and I think we've seen this pattern happen a lot where you'll have some founders, some, some, some technology, usually technology founders. This is sort of the pattern in, in the AI industry in particular, AI industry, quote unquote, where you'll have some founders come out of research or uh, you know, they did some project at, uh, I'll pick a school, NYU, because you see a lot of that, or, or they came out of Google or you know, whatever, right? And they're like, I built this thing. Or maybe they won some sort of Kaggle competition or they, or they beat ImageNet or some, something like that. They're like, I'm a technological founder. I know my stuff. Now they go and they take that. They spin that into a vision and they go to an investor and they go, AI is hot. I am hot. Let me sell you on this, this vision, right? AutoML, okay. It's, yeah, if you, a technological person would be like, it's just a programmatic way of selecting the right algorithm and doing some other things. Like, no, it's going to be a billion dollar industry and you are going to be part of it. And the investors buy into it, right? And then what happens is that these companies raise a lot of money to hire a lot of people and, and they start pushing this vision. And in order to support a company that's worth what unicorn money, right? Billions of dollars. You can't be selling like some dinky piece of thing. You have to be like a major platform. You have to be ground changing, right? And to do that requires you to overpromise on what you can do. So even if you're just like a, you know, you're an incremental thing, you're doing some ML ops thing, you're like, you can't raise 100, 200, 300 million dollars as an ML ops company. You have to be something bigger than that. You have to be some platform thing. And what happens is that customers and you, our team leaders, people who are listening, you get caught in that trap because, because that's the marketing message you're hearing. And of course, these platforms can't do everything that they're promising they're doing. Of course, these investors, you know, they, they're not sitting, they're not going to be running these companies. They want to get out of their investment at some point. That means these companies have to go public or get acquired for mega billions. So they're going to play into that game as well. And so we tell all of you, it's like, take what comes out of the vendor's mouths with a grain of salt. Um, be realistic, realize that they are definitely, especially if they're fast growth companies, they are dysfunctional in many ways. And it, and it's up to you to get not caught into that trap. And I think that's sort of the realistic thing from this statement of like, does AI still matter? The answer is it does, but don't listen to the vendors because if you did, then you'd realize that that AI couldn't possibly do or that these companies couldn't possibly do what, what, what they say they're doing. Exactly. And we always say, you know, come into it with a clear and open mind and know what you need going into it. Because you're right, if you listen to the vendors, they'll sell you all day, possibly on products and solutions that you don't need and you bought because you're not understanding what the technology can and cannot do and what your problem is that you're actually solving. So to throw technology at problems is the easy part. To get solutions that really matter and really help, that's the hard part. So like Ron said, you know, when you're listening to the vendors, go into it with an open mind and really ask the right questions. We at Cognolytica have come up with guided questions and that you should ask vendors because we understand not, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So we've, we've helped a lot of our, uh, the companies that we work with, with, uh, you know, just those fundamental questions, knowing what to ask. So that's important. Now that was our first. We've had we have um, a few that we want to go over today that we had touched upon in the first podcast. The second topic and area that we had focused on with the question, you know, does AI matter? Was that AI can help people and organizations make better decisions and fewer mistakes. And you know what? We agree with that. 
that it it can. But the problem is when you have that, you know, no human in the loop, automated algorithmic decision making. This can be a major problem. And I know that we've talked about this in the past, but when you rely too heavily on a technology and you remove the human from the loop, you know, we constantly are asking, where is the human in the loop in this process? Does a human need to be in the loop in this process? Make sure that you're understanding that too when you put something in place. And if you don't understand that, you can run into major issues depending on what it is that you're doing. You can have fundamental life-changing impacts that you are making on individuals. And that can be detrimental for everybody involved in the process. If you don't have a human in the loop and things are just going rogue and there's nobody there to check it and see what's going on. We um, have had you know, different panel discussions and talks with different individuals. We interviewed somebody, we, he was on a panel um, and he worked in a court system. And he said, you know, I always think about what this technology does. And at the end of the day, it's really easy to get caught up in what you're doing and forget about what it actually is that you're doing and how it's impacting people. And at the end of the day, you're building this for an actual human being. And he said, you know, always go into it thinking that because whatever happens in this court system, at the end of the day, I want to build a technology that makes it a little bit easier for this person to file a claim or to find uh, the exact courtroom that they need to be in. You know, they're in a high stress situation. You don't go to court every single day for an issue. Maybe this could be, um, you know, a custody dispute, or this could be a ticket. You're fighting a ticket and you don't really have the money to pay for the ticket. And so it's it's high stakes, or you had to take time off work and you're stressed out because you're running late. You know, you have to think about that. And, And it's really easy to get consumed in that data, but think about, okay, what is this at the end of the day? And how is this helping organizations and people make better decisions and fewer mistakes? And what actually does that outcome mean for the individual? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when, when Kathleen and I were doing a lot of this original thought uh, thinking about the seven patterns, which, which came from us, Kathleen and I really, we had to, we looked at all of these hundreds and thousands of AI implementations. We try, we're trying to categorize it. And the reason why we were doing that is because we were having this problem of two people were talking about, I'm doing AI. Oh, that's great. I'm doing AI too. But they weren't really doing the same thing. Somebody was building a chatbot and someone else was building some image recognition system. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's machine learning in there, but you could say that they're both doing stuff with computers and that would be, are you doing some of the computers? Yeah, me too. Like that doesn't really tell you much, right? It doesn't, somebody could have a microwave embedded system, something. So when we were doing that, we were very conscious to have two separate patterns One was the autonomous pattern in which the human was removed from the loop. That's the whole purpose of the autonomous pattern. You want the machine to take away some of the cognitive or active active load of the human. There's another pattern called predictive analytics and the decision support pattern. The reason why we call that is that the purpose for that pattern is for the machine to help the human make a better decision. The problem we have is when the people combine these streams. If you watch Ghostbusters, you know you're not supposed to combine the streams. Bad things happen when you combine the streams. You'll, 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 you'll kill the Stay Puft Marshmallow guy. 
But the, the real issue is that when people try to use predictive analytic systems to make autonomous decisions, this is where we get into problems, right? As Kathleen mentioned, it's everything from like automatic loan decisions to, you know, parole decisions to, of course, autonomous vehicles making a decision to turn left or turn right or go straight and head into a wall or the, the back of that semi truck, which has happened a number of times and caused issues with Tesla. But those are really obvious ones. But the thing we're not seeing here, and this is the issue I think we're starting to see now a lot of, we have these, these huge firms powered by big data that have taken the human out of the loop for decision-making, and it's causing major issues. It, uh, you've probably seen people have gotten their YouTube channels canceled. Their YouTube channels have been uh, removed for violations of something, right? You know, uh, it could be for whatever reason, content violation, whatever. And there is zero human to go back and challenge that. And people are like losing their livelihoods. You know, they're getting their, or they're being banned from Twitter or Facebook. Is, and you're thinking, okay, well, they're doing it because Google couldn't possibly have a human sitting in there and watching every video. I understand that. But when, but they've removed the human so much from the loop that you're like, wait a second, algorithms aren't perfect. I think in every single discussion of AI, no one has ever said that algorithms are perfect. They're probabilistic, right? You might say they're 95% perfect. Maybe even if you're lucky, 99% perfect. But that 1% failure rate on a billion videos, that's a whole lot of failures, right? And so you have companies that have decided to remove the human from the loop, taking the easy way out. Imagine, let me just put it for the final thing in perspective here. Imagine that you were uh, driving your car only following the GPS instructions for everything. And you're like, I am, I'm going to, you're not going to close your eyes because you're still driving the car, but I will do exactly what the GPS says. You might say 99.9% .9 of the time, the GPS is probably right. But in that 0.1%, it drives you into a construction zone with a big hole. And you're like, I don't care. I'm going to follow. I'm not going to put the human in the loop. I'm taking the human out of the loop. Computer says, go forward. I go forward. That one time, out of 100,000 times, you're driving into a ditch. And if the human had just injected a little bit of common sense, you could have been like, okay, right? I'm laughing because I think this happens more than people like to admit. And that's yeah. also a problem too, right? You know that it happens and you feel embarrassed. And so you try and cover it up rather than actually finding the real problem and fixing that. And people have people have actually died from blindly following GPS instructions. There's a bunch of sad stories about people who've either driven into deserts or driven like into snow conditions. I think it happened in the Sierras where this family would like the GPS told them to go some way and they ended up driving at some crazy logging road. And then they got, yes, I was going to say, I think the road was supposed to be closed and it, the fence was accidentally opened and they went down it. It wasn't actually a real road. And then, you know, right. depending how far in you go, you can lose signal. And now you're really driving blind. So, yeah. yes. So, so and question things, right? <laughs> Be a realist. <laughs> don't, don't just, you know, take somebody's word for it. Now, from that entire, you know, frame of discussion, one thing that wasn't really around uh, and, and really on people's minds back five years ago was this idea of ethical and responsible AI. And I think that it, you know, from these examples that we've talked about, it's really come to the forefront. And now a lot more organizations and a lot more people are talking about that. So that's been one positive thing that's, that's you know, really been coming out of the industry. This ethical and responsible AI discussion has come to the forefront and people are 
talking about that and saying, how can I build ethical and responsible AI systems? What does that involve? What does that entail? And what do I need to do? We've seen that folks have come to us and asked for help and guidance on that. And they've come to us so much asking for help that we actually now have a ethical and responsible AI training and certification course. And if you're interested in learning more, I encourage you to go to cognolitica.com so that you can find out additional details about that course. We encourage you to sign up in groups of at least 10 and not as an individual level. That is, you want you and your team to really gain this knowledge and skill set required rather than having one person acquire that knowledge and not be able to fully implement it and have you know meaningful discussions with your team. So that's why we encourage it from that team perspective. Yeah, it's also because the, the purpose of training and certification is not for knowledge. The purpose is for doing, right? And there's a lot of other things that we, we do uh, around that. But the reason to, to bring it back to Kathleen, the reason why we have focused on that is that, yeah, a lot of people are talking about ethics and responsibility. And a lot of it may feel like kind of do good kind of stuff, or maybe like, oh, that would be nice. I, you know, yes, we don't want our systems to be biased. That's not the level that we're talking about. For you, our team leaders, you have to actually do something about it, right? You can't be like, well, I'm just going to implement a machine learning model and it just does what it does, right? You're like, well, uh, what do you, is there a, what, have you thought about the governance? Who's going to be the decision maker? What happens if it goes wrong? How are you going to deal with versioning? Are you going to provide consent for people to opt out? Will you provide disclosure? Uh, are you going to even deal with the fact like, well, I don't have to worry about bias. This thing just, you know, identifies the uh, clouds, you know, whether, why do I have to worry about bias? I'm like, well, it's not just bias against people. It's also bias against data. Maybe your maybe the data is, has, has a, has a bias in it. That's going to cause some problems. Yeah. Maybe you're just taking pictures of clouds, but is it for insurance purposes? Have you neglected to take photos of particular communities and particular areas, and therefore your data is biased? You may not even realize that, right? You may be thinking, oh, cloud is a cloud. I'm like, well, maybe clouds over certain parts of the country you might think are the same, but maybe this is an area where, where they're very poor people. And so, you know, you may have to consider that, you know, some issue there, right? These are the things to think about. And the more important thing is, what do you do, right? And so the, the, the thing that we're briefly focusing on is not just the ideas of ethics and responsible AI. It's an ethics and responsible AI framework development. You're building for yourself a framework by which you can run your AI and big data projects in a way that keeps you from getting into trouble, right? And a lot of this is is that. So um, yeah, I mean that's been a big thing. That's that's definitely uh, something we've changed. I think the perceptions because of all the play people are now have um, not skepticism, but I think people are much more cautious about uh, algorithms, right? I'm not even use AI. They're just more cautious about algorithms. Uh, that could change their life. And now they're worried about things like, where did the data come from? You know, is there a, do I have consent? Do I have way to opt out? Do I have all this sort of stuff? And I think, I think for people to ignore that, to say, I'm not going to, I'm just going to push forward with this thing is very irresponsible in this day and age. And that's why it's, it's not just about ethics, which is about the right versus wrong. It's about responsibility and responsibleness, which is about what happens when things go wrong, Right. Do you just ignore stuff? Do you just be like Microsoft with the Tay bot and just let it go? Are you going to be? Are you going to be like like Google uh, with like their their uh, algorithms that fail with no backup? Hey, these are smart companies. Microsoft, Google, Facebook. These are gigantic companies with some of the world's leading AI researchers. Okay, if they're messing up, you as a regional bank 
manager or as a media company or as a manufacturing organization, you're going to mess up too. Okay. And so you got to, you get, you, this is what we're seeing. It's about, it's not about just giving up and saying, well, if I'm going to mess up, I'm not going to do any of it. Like, no, you can't afford to not do it. So the question is, how do you do it right? And that is really the emphasis of a lot of what we talk about, just doing it right. Exactly. So the third area that we talked about in our podcast, Does AI Matter, was that AI removes repetitive, boring, but necessary tasks from people's daily lives. And AI can work tirelessly on a single task without losing focus or drive. We've talked about this a lot. You know, going back and really reviewing that, that sounds a lot more like automation versus artificial intelligence. And we have said automation is incredibly powerful and incredibly useful, but please do not confuse it with AI. RPA, robotic process automation, is not AI. Hopefully by now, you know, I a few years ago, I think there was a lot of confusion in the market and the vendors sure did not do anything to help that because they wanted all the VC money that they could get. Folks now are starting to realize, okay, look, Automation is not the same as intelligence. Automation is not the same as AI. It has its its purpose. It has its place. It is incredibly useful, but it's really meant to replace those repetitive, boring, dull, demeaning, dirty tasks. You know, we talk about the four Ds. That's what it's meant to do. If you have a task that's done the same way over and over and over again, then you can automate that. Super, super useful. We've also started to hear people in the industry talk about this term hyper automation. You know, folks, don't don't let these buzzwords confuse you and fool you and think that you're doing more than you actually really are. So while, you know, we made that point five years ago, really, that is an automation point. Automation is incredibly important, like we said. A lot of people think that automation can help you on your journey to intelligence And so, you know, think about it, frame it in that context. Think about you as a team lead. How are you bringing automation into your organization? And we've helped a lot of others with that as well. You know, they're they're in that journey as well. And they go, we want to bring automation in, but we want to then start bringing in more cognitive technologies. How do we go about doing that? Yeah, so we're actually in the middle of, of a podcast series on this topic of the automation to intelligence journey. So we are definite believers in the value of automation. So if you haven't already, I would go back and listen to our first podcast, which is why do we even automate? And of course, it's like we wouldn't even be where we are technologically if we didn't have machines doing some of the things that humans did, right? So automation, it's sort of like the counterpoint to manual. It's like if it's either automated or manual, you can't really be kind of both. It's like automated manual doesn't make any sense. So so we talked about what is automation and then we talked sort of a little bit about like why, like what are, what is the reasons why we're doing automating and where does automation add value? And then we got into pro- to business process because a lot of what we're talking about with automation that relates to this intelligence journey has to do with software automation. And when we're do- automating a software, we're usually automating because of multiple steps. So stay tuned, join, you know, subscribe if you haven't, you'll listen to the whole series. So clearly we are believers just like many in the value of automation and we are in the, in the believer of intelligent systems. And that's at some point that automation systems add intelligence and get more value. And we'll talk about when and where and how that is. Of course, you know, um, the, these vendors that are selling 
uh, automation software, they're they're on that journey themselves, right? You know, some of them have more added aspects of intelligence than others. I think that's what they would that's what they would like to say, right? The problem is is on. I think it's a little bit unfortunate. We got into this that 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 the term sort of that the industry kind of glommed on this term robotic, which is why I think the the um, industry is glomming onto this other term called hyper automation. Either way. Um, you know, the value of a lot of these firms is really in user interface automation, which is very important, you know, automating the things that humans would otherwise do at the user interface level. You know, you're not, if you, you know, if it's a problem to ask Jim or Pamela to like be clicking on something all every day, every day and doing the same thing over and over again, can you automate that? The answer is like, hell yeah, and you can get a lot of value automating it. And they're software bots, right? That's where the word, that's where the, unfortunately, the, the extra row comes in. But it's basically, these are software bots that do user interface automation, incredibly important. I think, I think it is, uh, a challenge, I think, for the industry to, again, to kind of see the realism in it and say, okay, there's value in automating user interface activities, building software bots to do tasks over and over again, extremely valuable. But there's a whole other set of things that we have to do if we want these bots to take away some of the cognitive load, decision-making, look at conversational systems, do some recognition thing. This is where you have to, you have to add, the, the model has to be, so where's the machine learning model, right? That's where you know you know that somebody is like trying to sell uh, automation as intelligence when they can't tell you where the machine learning model is because it's like, no, you were, you screen record something. I'm like, okay, well, that's not a, I didn't train any, I didn't spend any time training anything. Don't they have to do like for machine learning, the machine has to learn. That means I need data to train the machine. If you're telling me all I'm doing is recording stuff. And then when the screen changes, everything breaks Machine hasn't learned anything, has it? Yeah, it's like, well, no, of course not. So this is kind of where you have to be smarter, you guys that are listening. Our automation, you know, if you're doing the automation project, make the automation project work and then think about where these models can be applied to make the automation more intelligent, right? And that's when you can get some value. So that actually, that part of our discussion from five years ago is really, I think, matured quite a bit. And this is actually really the... Um, you know, uh, I, th I think where where a lot of the industry is actually right now. So yeah, we're spending a lot of our time looking at it. You know, we we have we've built a roadmap uh, for how to get from automation to intelligence. That's part of why we're doing the podcast series. But that actually is something that we do. We work with a lot of organizations. We help uh, them leverage that roadmap and, and move their own projects uh, as far as they need to go uh, down the automation to intelligence roadmap. You may not need to go all the way to your destination, but you have to kind of know where you're going. And that's what the roadmap is. And it's not one of those GPSs that you just follow and let it drive you off a cliff. So there you exactly. go. Exactly. So another area that we had talked about was AI allows people and companies to deal with a lot more information than they can possibly handle on their own. And Looking back and reflecting over the past five years and what we're seeing now, yes, you know, this really is a big data story and AI has indeed been helpful here. We have seen this happen. We, in, in uh, you know, one of our early podcasts talked about narrow versus strong AI, and this is that narrow aspect of AI, um, a narrow some people call it weak versus strong. Some people call it narrow versus broad. We in that podcast and still today do not like weak versus strong. We think that it implies that weak can't do a lot when in fact, yes, it can. So if you hear that in industry, you know, you'll know what people are talking about, but we really like to say that narrow versus broad AI. And the narrow applications are the ones that we see today. They are incredibly powerful, incredibly useful. 
So it, it allows companies to do a lot more with that information that they have. So yes, we still agree with that. We think that this, this is still a very on point, um, you know, point to bring up and this helps frame and answer the question, does AI still matter in 2022? Yes. For this area. Yes. One of the things we are going to spend a lot more time on over this, the course of this podcast, we encourage you, our listeners to be, to join us on this journey, right? We are going to be uh, creating more thought around this idea of building and managing a data forward organization. Um, we have not yet really built a lot of, say, course we are training on. It's something we are definitely thinking about doing. But we want you to join us on this journey as we sort of think about this, because this is, I think, where kind of we are as an industry, right? You know, a lot of the value of AI is really about adding value to data. It's a really very much a data story more than it is necessarily a story about machines that have become intelligent. We will talk about this in a little bit later here, but, um, you know, we, I think people get caught up in like the, the futuristic science fiction vision of intelligent machines, which imply all sorts of things like, you know, <laughs> actual physical robots that can walk around the world and do things that you see in Westworld and crazy stuff like that. Right. That's not, that's not what like anybody that we're talking to is building. Most of the time, I would say almost ex- almost all the time, people are basically adding value to data. They're, they're, they're looking at machine learning and all these systems of data science to basically say, oh, can I extract more value from data? Can I, can, I, can I do something in my process where a machine can do something that a human otherwise would do or do something better than a human can do, identify things in images or whatever, blah, blah. Yeah, this is, this is kind of a big data story. So this, this is incredibly, I think, core to kind of where things are at. This is where we are in the DIKUW pyramid. We talk a lot about we're at that knowledge level, the DIK part. We haven't gone to understanding and wisdom yet, but we have figured out how to use machines to help us gain more knowledge from our information, right? So um, I, I, would, I would say, you know, this is an area where AI does matter. So if you're looking about, at applying machine learning to big data analytics, this, that's where, the, if you are not doing that, right, and your competition is doing that, then you are maybe at a competitive disadvantage. So this is where you need to look at it. Um, but if you're trying to do some of the other stuff, like build some autonomous robot that can navigate store aisles and to calculate things, hardly anybody's doing that. And the ones who tried to do that have not necessarily been that successful. So you don't have to feel competitively like, oh my God, I got to do this sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, join us on this journey. Uh, we'll spend more time this year, 2022 and, and beyond sort of building this idea of the data forward organization, talk a little bit about what that means to be data forward and, uh, we'll go from there. Exactly. So another area that we talked about in the Does AI Matter podcast was self-driving cars and autonomous systems of all sorts. AI can do tasks that are too dangerous for people to perform and go into areas that are too dangerous for humans. So we talk about robots, drones, those areas. Now, yes, you know, we have autonomous systems of all sorts, but if you followed us from the, you know, our seven patterns of AI, and we talk about the autonomous pattern of AI, that is one of the hardest patterns. And we say, don't start with that. Now there's levels that you can, you go, you can go through, you know, levels of autonomy. And if you think about self-driving cars, for example, you go from level zero, which has zero, um, levels of, you know, zero, um, autonomy in it at all, all the way up to level five, where that's a fully, uh, self-driving vehicle. We are not there yet. 
with, I mean, yes, maybe there's some prototypes out on the road, but you can't commercially buy that. I unfortunately still cannot go and get my autonomous vehicle so I no longer need to drive. That was my dream five years ago. Still is a dream, maybe one day. But let's get real on autonomous vehicles. It's not here. I think that there's been a lot of setbacks in the industry. It's a really hard problem to solve, as all autonomous systems are. And when and how do you have a human in the loop to train these systems to get them better? At what point will you really have that? So we are, you know, that self-driving cars that we thought five years ago were really nowhere closer to having that at a commercial scale. Yeah. I mean, of course you got, you know, Waymo and you have a few other folks who are, have like very limited uh, examples of autonomous vehicles in operation sort of driving various places, but that's not what, that's not what people thought in 2017. If I said, where are we going to be with autonomous vehicles? We're like, well, there's probably going to be a few hundred cars driving around Phoenix, Arizona and San Francisco or whatever. Um, That's not what people thought. And certainly that's not what companies like Tesla were selling when they were selling full self-driving capabilities in their car for 10,000 or whatever thousand dollars extra. And that's not what people thought when they were buying it. And unfortunately that's not level five, that's like level three. And then you close your eyes and the next thing you know, you're, you're pancaked in the back of a tractor trailer. It's not really where you want your life to be going at this moment. So, you know, kind of where are we with that? I think it's a little bit unfortunate again, that um, kind of where we are right now with AI uh, t- was tied so closely with the idea of autonomous vehicles. I do want to get into this. I mentioned this at the very beginning, but I know there's all this hyperventilation in, t- in 2017 about, oh my God, the super intelligence, right? And um, I-, I don't want to say bad things about folks like Nick Bostrom did some great thinking or even Elon Musk who was supporting this, Stephen Hawking saying, oh my God, got to be careful of, the- of all this and Bill Gates and all these people, smart people, right? But I think it was, uh, it was, it was an overestimation <laughs> of just how far we would really get, right? And every single time someone tells me that we have to worry about the superintelligence, actually, someone I, I think it was one of our podcasts said you should start getting worried about superintelligence when a computer can actually tell a joke, right? That's when you should start to get worried because then it's like there's some thought process going on. Computers, you know, if you talk to Siri, you talk to Alexa, we used to do this uh, voice assistant benchmark. We've talked about it a number of times in our podcast. And we found that the voice assistants actually have plateaued. They, they, they've reached a certain level of ability to comprehend what you're saying. They've gotten better at things like, you know, natural language processing of, of taking the audio that's coming out of the, and processing it into words and then matching that against intent. They've gotten better at that, but they, there's no understanding. There's no concept of understanding, right? There's no actual understanding. That's how I know on the DIKUW pyramid, we've reached K because we got data, we have information, we got knowledge, but we have not reached understanding because voice assistants have such a hard time with understanding, right? Once they get there, we still have more levels to go before superintelligence. So on this point of like autonomous systems, which is being, Kathleen mentioned, the hardest pattern is because autonomy does require more than K. It's like, yeah. I am not going to get into a self, you know, I'm not going to trust everything to self-driving everything unless these systems can do some sort of reasoning, right? Some sort of machine reasoning. Without machine reasoning, we have, um, we have kind of dumb systems, you know, as much as we call them artificially intelligent, 
they're kind of still kind of dumb. And so if we're still using the word dumb, then there, you know, it's like, we know we've reached a limit. So, uh, you know, on that sort of note, you know, I think, I think, I think we're still far away from autonomous vehicles. If you listen to Rodney Brooks, he doesn't think we'll get there in a hundred years, you know, <laughs> no, or 250. You know, I don't even know. Whatever. <laughs> and at this point he's off doing whatever he's doing. I don't know if he's abandoned this whole field, but like my whole, the whole idea here is I, as I think, unfortunately, a lot of money, a lot of venture capital has been put into this, this uh, space of autonomous vehicles. And, um, uh, we don't really have a lot to show yeah, for it with all don't. that money that's been put in. So, you know, think about where does that money go? And autonomous systems need to be darn near perfect because the goal of them is to remove the human from the loop, right? And we're not we're not really fully there yet. And I think that people, you know, as they started to put a lot of resources into this problem, realized this is really hard and harder than they were expecting from the get-go. So we we are, you know, self-driving cars. Will it ever happen? I don't know. Big, big de-emphasis and funding on that. People are focusing now more on electric vehicles, uh, which is great for the environment, but not self-driving. And then our last point that we brought up in our original podcast, and we want to talk about now a big reason why AI matters that we had thought five years ago was for the same reasons that we explore space, because that's where the frontier is. And you have to, you know, put yourself in that mind frame of five years ago, where were things and, and how was the world different? You know, we didn't have a global pandemic and, you know, some things were still in their infancy, like voice assistants. They haven't been around for all that long, especially five years ago. They were really new. And, you know, where was it? Really, we were we were starting to push boundaries. We were starting to have artificial intelligence be a part of our everyday lives, which it wasn't necessarily before that. We had talked about the AI winters and, you know, what they were and why they happened. And we've had two previous AI winters. If you haven't heard that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. And the first winter came from overpromising and underdelivering. And that's a major, major problem. Still, even today, we overpromise and underdeliver on what we can do. Hello, self-driving vehicles. But you know, so that was a that was a big reason. And you need to you need to look at that and say, okay, what happened? But now we're not there anymore, right? And we have more data, we are able to manage big data, we have processing power organizations are investing in this, countries are investing in AI. Is it really, you know, a new frontier now or is it kind of here? And I will say that from five years ago to now, it really has come a long way. Lots of people are talking about this, which is a great thing. Organizations of different sizes now, not just those very large, very well-funded, able to get the best researchers in the field, companies are looking at this. But as Ron mentioned, Artificial general intelligence really still is a pipe dream. Are we ever going to get to that? I don't know. You know, forever is a long time. So maybe one day. But what exactly, you know, does that mean? Why are we chasing this dream of artificial general intelligence? So that, you know, kind of idea of this is the kind of the next frontier. Well, we've evolved a lot. And I wouldn't say that AI is the next frontier. I'd say AI is here now. Yeah. 
Well, this idea of AGI as being sort of like the frontier is like, that's really what drives a lot of this idea. And we've talked about this from the very first podcast, artificial intelligence as a concept and as an act, as a thing that people do actually predates computers, right? The people who are the sort of the founders of computing, Alan Turing and cyber, you know, cybernetics, you know, with the, with all those feedback systems, they were also the the founders of artificial intelligence, right? And so they were thinking about computers as a means to an end. We're like, the computer wasn't the end. The computer was a way for us to develop intelligence systems, right? And, um, I, you know, so it's like, it's like sort of that noble goal of like, or matter noble, but it's a goal, right? Of trying to get to the, to the system. We see this in Star Wars and Star Trek and, you know, all these things about the intelligent computers, right? I think I think sort of the challenge is that that artificial general intelligence is like an onion or a parfait, if you like Shrek, you know, this idea that it's really many, many layers. And as we start to be like, oh, the first thing we need to do is we need, we need machines that can do logic. And if we can do logic and get to general intelligence, it turns out we got logic, we didn't get general intelligence. They're like, oh, we need something more. We need, we need, we need. and every single time we sort of solve one fundamental issue is of machines just need to be able to recognize images. If they could recognize images, they can do anything. Well, it turns out that no, it just got us on the level. And I think this is sort of, again, one of those um, sort of dangers is that the, the, the folks who promise that we're one or two innovations away from general intelligence realize that we're not, that um, all they got to train is this gigantic neural net with like billions and billions and billions of neurons, right? And we will solve AGI. That's the idea of OpenAI, by the way, GPT-3. Well, GPT-3 is a fantastic parrot and it can generate all sorts of text that seems very realistic, but GPT-3 can't drive a car. GPT-3 can't make you a pancake. GPT-3 can't fold your laundry. There's like, this is stuff this is we haven't solved general intelligence. That's really the opposite of narrow AI is general AI, which is basically this idea that we have one intelligence that can do all sorts of things. And we have not even achieved the intelligence of a dragonfly. I always go back to look at the size. The dragonfly brain is smaller than the size of a pinhead. It's not connected to the internet. There's no big data, right? But this dragonfly can do so much more than even the smartest drone connected to the internet trained on billions of, the, of the data, right? So, um, so, so this is kind of where like, okay, well, if we want to chase those dreams, those are, those are a great, it's an academic pursuit, it's a research pursuit. It's the kind of thing that they, in the old days, Bell Labs, and when we had real labs, would actually would, would, would really focus on that. But if you're a venture-backed company, a venture-backed startup, at some point, the well runs dry and you go back to your well and you go, well, I haven't solved AGI, but I got a billion, billion neuron network. Maybe I can sell licenses to it to generate text. And now um, you're just playing that old game again. And so, um, yeah, does AI still matter? AI still does matter. Here we are in 2022. And, and I think it matters in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I think is more realistic. And, and, and I think it all depends on having that perspective of really being a realism. If you're running this team, you got to make AI work for you. Then look at what is real about what these AI systems can do. And maybe if you don't want to think about it as AI, you want to think of it as machine learning and neural nets and natural language processing and predictive analytic systems, that's perfectly fine too. You know, we, we, we said there's another term called cognitive technology. If you feel like using it because it doesn't imply AGI and it removes you from the hype, that is perfectly fine. And, and from that perspective, cognitive technology is here today. 
and doing so many thing, useful things and has been proven in a lot of real world scenarios as long as, the, as you keep that human in the loop when you need to. Exactly. So hopefully, you know, we've gotten you thinking as well, asking yourself the question, does AI still matter in 2022? And we'd love to hear your thoughts, listeners, on if you agree or disagree with us. So as always, we encourage you to reach out to us. You can email us at info at cognolytica.com. That's I-N-F-O at C-O-G. N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. We also encourage you, if you have not already done so, to subscribe to our AI Today podcast. You'll get notified of all future episodes. As Ron had talked about, we are working through our automation to intelligence journey with you all and that course. We have additional um, training and certification that we will be discussing as well as time goes on. So if you subscribe to AI Today, you'll get to hear all about that. We'll also be revisiting certain topics such as this one today, you know, does AI still matter in 2022? Because it's important for us to take that realistic view and really honestly be answering these questions. So we'd love to hear, again, your thoughts on if you agree or disagree with us. Uh, You can reach out to us. You can uh, go to our website. You can email us. There's many ways to get a hold of us. And also, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We do look at all those ratings. We love um, you know, to read what you write as well, gives us additional information and feedback from our listeners. And, you know, we like to gear these topics towards you. So definitely please do reach out. And again, I just want to thank you all for listening to this podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that it's getting you thinking about does AI matter and how does it matter? So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.